Welcome everyone to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. This is one of our special Halloween mini episodes. And today we will be talking about Crimson Peak from 2015. And with me today, I have my friend, Rachel McKinney. Say hello, Rachel. Hi, everybody. Rachel, tell the folks how we know each other. Um, well, a couple of years ago, we met at the comic book store. And I think we talked for like... I don't know, half an hour about Superman and something. And then I've been playing D&D with you ever since. Yep. That is all true stuff that you said there. And you particularly wanted to discuss Crimson Peak. Oh, yeah. I am such a sucker for gothic romance films, especially ones with Tom Hiddleston in them. <laughs> Are there many with Tom Hiddleston in them? I, you know, I really haven't looked. I'm just... Crimson Peak, ooh, you know, Victorian-era mansions, ghosts, it's so good. Mm -hmm. As I said, this is from 2015. It is Color, 119 Minutes, directed by Guillermo del Toro, starring Mia Vushikovska, Jessica Chastain, the aforementioned Tom Hiddleston, Charlie Hoonan, and Jim Beaver. It had a budget of $55 million, and the box office was $74.7 million. Not too bad. Yes, as well, you say, it is definitely a gothic romance. Yeah, um, I actually, you know, after I watched the movie, and I was like, wow, because, you know, it can be a little cheesy where it's kind of dramatic. But um, I was a little bit disappointed with like the Rotten Tomatoes review, where I think the audience um, rating was only at like 55%. Oh, really? Yeah. I think it got general good reviews at the time. Yeah, because it's just like, I love the costumes in there and just all the representation through it, like um, Edith with her yellows and whites, and then Lucille with her blacks and dark blues. I just really like the the costumes in that movie. Yeah, they're all, it's, it's all wonderful. The house apparently is all made stuff for the movie, not recycled stuff. So they put a lot of work into this. Oh, yeah. Just like um, it was a visual feast for me. I really loved all the intricate details, like within the mansion and it's just falling apart. But still with all this, you know, the open spaces and the architecture, it was it was really fun to watch. I will say I, you mentioned it falling apart. I was a little disappointed because this is such a gothic romance hor romance horror movie that hits all the tropes in a good way but the only thing it's missing it does not go full follow the house of usher at the end and no. i think they i think it should have especially because they set up mentioned no, numerous times that the house is sinking i would have liked to have seen the whole house sink into the ground <laughs> at the end of the movie yeah, you would have thought because there were just so many mentions of when Thomas Sharp, he stepped on the, the floor and just like the red clay just seeped up. It would have been nice to see that all just come tumbling down. But I really do like at the ending, you know, spoiler alert, after Edith kills Lucille, that she appears as a ghost playing on her piano and mm -hmm. that they're bound to the mansion, I guess, forever. Yeah, yeah. Tom, also Tom Middleston. <laughs> That's not his character. Thomas uh -huh. Sharp. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tom is playing Tom, but he's Tom yes. Sharp, not yes. Tom Hiddleston. Yes, he initiates ghost form rather quickly as well. And in such a way that it's very clear he's a, no mistaking him for still being alive. He's got the sunken eyes and the pale skin and he's transparent. Clearly a ghost immediately. 
I will say the ghosts did not, for the most part, have a direct impact on the story, though. I'm not sure it really is a ghost story or just a story that happens to have some ghosts in it. Oh, I loved you said that because Edith said that about her own story she was writing. Yeah. (laughs) She's a writer and she said, oh, it's not a ghost story. It's just a story with ghosts in it. And I think that's um, what Crimson Peak is too, because I don't think they were really the focus of the story. They were just giving hints to the past. And she tells us more than once that the ghosts are a metaphor. And I think that's the same thing in this movie, because I don't know that the plot would turn out any different if there were no ghosts in it. Because even when she finds the recordings, the wax cylinders, she's already starting to look in that cabinet before the ghost pulls the door shut. So the ghost doesn't even show her the cylinders. The ghost tries to keep her from seeing the cylinders. Well, I do remember one scene where there was the... um floating ghost with a baby and then um that ghost points in the direction of thomas and lucille engaging in incest oh okay i guess i looked away i don't i didn't realize the ghost i had pointed her towards them yeah that's another yeah that is another uh gothic thing incest it's got the incest, it's got the crumbling house, it's got the aristocracy on the way down. The- Ooh, what was really cheesy was, um, well, Lucille, her character, talking about how love twists and, you know, this was all done for love, just murdering the um, past <laughs> three or four wives and then their own mother so right. that her um, relationship with Thomas could persist. Right. And, um, you know, she seems to be the main antagonist of the whole movie. Right. And um, Thomas is just kind of like doing whatever for as long as he can. Yeah. Until he finally meets a girl he actually likes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's perfectly willing to kill three girls that he doesn't particularly like. I know. Um, that was also cheesy. Like, wow, she was genuinely interested in something that I invented. I am in love. <laughs> For when so, an addict. Yeah. It does seem unclear why they feel this need to keep the clay mine going. Because he says l- late in the game that we could just leave and start a new life somewhere else. And if they'd done that, they could have just told everybody that they were husband and wife. They didn't need to hide that they were brother and sister. They they could have pulled a, a flowers in the attic and just left town and changed their names and not tried to keep this business. The, three times they have tricked girls into getting married so they could get their money to try to prop up the business. And I would think after the first time that fails, I'd say, well, maybe this business is just dead and doesn't need to be propped up. But nope, they just they just keep going. Yeah, I don't I don't understand that either. I remember Thomas Sharp presenting the clay and like I don't understand how that could have been used. Like what bricks. He says they're gonna make bricks out of oh, it. Oh yeah, that's right. Bricks. Yeah. But I don't know that there's a worldwide shortage of bricks that they need to get this super fancy clay to make it. I'm pretty sure by the point this movie takes place that concrete is a thing that exists. I remember um, for some of the dates with the letters, it was like, what, 1860, 1880s? Uh-huh. 
And, um, you know, I'm not really sure when the Industrial Revolution happened over in um, England, but wow, it took him that long and murdering that many women to get like this one part of the machine to, for it to suddenly work. <laughs> And that was going to change their whole lives. Yeah. I mean, I I think we're smack dab in the middle of the industrial revolution. There's, he's got a steam powered thing that he's working on and he, yeah, he, there's somebody with a machine shop that can make this custom part for him. So I think he's trying to apply these new technologies to an outdated business rather than realizing the business itself just needs to be abandoned. Yeah. I'm uh, so this movie would be considered horror because of, I guess, the ghosts and maybe like the mystery behind the the siblings and well, I guess the murder too. The violent the murder. murder. I think the violent yes. murders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the violent murders. The knife to the face, I think, helps put it firmly in a horror category. Oh my goodness! I, you know, I tried so hard to keep my eyes open, but like he kept trying to pull it out of his face and like Tom. Yeah stop such a weird <laughs> such a weird place to stab him i guess maybe they just wanted to go for the effect that it would look cool oh man oh also i would like to point out edith's father gifted her with that pen and said that um you know the, the best thing that she could have was like the tool for her writing yeah right and tool for the he, job yeah yeah and that same pen that her father gave her she used to stab lucille <laughs> Sorry, and I right thought that was so great. <laughs> right tool for the job? Yes. <laughs> now, you have a little bit of medical background. Should the doctor have pulled the knife out of his armpit when he got stabbed? Because no, when he did that, I thought, oh, maybe you should have left that in there because it looks like you're bleeding a lot now. Honestly, yeah, I hate when they do that. Like, oh, yes, doctor, let's hemorrhage to death because we pulled the um, impaling object out. Like, no, yeah. it's a natural reaction. But the guy is a doctor. So, yeah, that <laughs> seems dumb. like he should have known better. Oh, absolutely. I do think uh, one of the valuable lessons from this movie is that if you have the option between a handsome, successful, wholesome, sincere, young doctor whom you've known most of your life and a mysterious stranger from Europe, <laughs> you should go with a nice doctor. Who? I don't know. I mean, if the sister was in an asylum where she should have been this whole time, I would have picked Thomas Sharp because, oh my God, a man who instantly in likes my writing and has a genuine interest in me oh my gosh well i mean the same can be said for the doctor because he collected those photographs of ghosts yeah for, for edith so they both they both liked her and, she was um, just used to him and he yeah. had not been direct enough i guess Although it should have been obvious. I mean, her father can tell the guy likes her, but maybe he should have just actually proposed. Yeah, you see, that was that was on him for not moving in when he should have. Yeah, but she was given off hard friend zone vibes at the beginning there. So I think he had to maybe go through the ordeal of getting stabbed, of crossing the ocean and then getting stabbed on her behalf. Oh, yeah. yeah. To show that he was serious. <laughs> 
Did you notice in the credits that she ends up writing a book about this whole experience? I actually didn't because um, I think at the end of the movie, I think I was just overcome with emotion because, oh, just it was so pretty. And I got to see Tom Hiddleston's butt and it was just like, <laughs> wow. Uh, yes, we had a little bit of uh, dudity, dude nudity. None of the ladies shown off their goods, but we got a good shot of Tom's butt. And I just loved how terrifying they made Lucille to be like, wow, what a crazy lady. Just the the throwing her breakfast. I thought she was going to hit Edith and and just like the random stabbing. Like she killed her own brother slash lover because he fell in love with someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like she yeah. was the scariest part of the whole movie. Like the ghosts. Well, OK, whatever. But her. ooh. This is actually the second time that Mia and Tom worked together and the second time that Mia and Jessica Chastain worked together. Oh, wow. So, uh, that's always, I think that's always fun. It seems like you used to see that more in the old Hollywood of certain actors working together all the time. That reminds and, me of um, Tim Burton and Johnny Depp and then... Yeah. Um, that one woman, gosh, how do I, how do I forget <laughs> Helena Bottom Carter? Yes, they were yeah. always working together. Yeah, yeah. And you get a few people like that, uh, but unless you're part of a series, you don't tend to team up with the same people all the time. Oh, yeah. Like, and then like, like they did um, in the old days. Yeah, Adam Sandler and Steve Buscemi. Yeah, Sandler puts Buscemi in all of his stuff, and he puts uh, Rob Schneider in all of his stuff. And he and... Uh, he and what's her name? He and Drew Barrymore have done more than one project together. Oh, oh wow. Uh, but that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. That's sort of Hepburn and Tracy, Bob Hope and uh, Bing Crosby, that kind of thing, where they're sort of a movie making team that do a bunch of stuff together. So I, I like that when we, when we get to see people working with each other in multiple oh, yeah. ways. That's always fun. So anything else you want to point out before we wrap it up? Well, um, I do like how in the beginning, she said that um, instead of dying a spinster, she would prefer to die a widow like Mary Shelley. (laughs) Yeah. And then when um, talking to with Edith talking to her father about how her script got rejected for lack of a love story, her father retorts, well, everyone falls in love, even women. (laughs) I was like, wow, okay. (laughs) That uh, happened in real life to the author of Little Women. Oh, wow. Okay. Her publisher wanted her to put uh, a love story in it. Oh, and I also want to mention with um, Del Toro. I can't say the... the, I'm sorry. Guillermo. I love how he takes these meanings and makes them literal, just like her father... um, just kind of was condescending toward Thomas Sharp with his soft hands. And then later he burns his hands and he's like, Oh, your father would have. <laughs> this. Oh yeah. I wrote, I did take notes on crimson pink and I wrote one of the notes was all the ghosts were women. And I'm like, I wonder why <laughs> they were the only ones that were murdered. Yeah. It's like her dad. Her dad didn't get to come back as a ghost. I guess if he'd been yeah. running the house, he would have. Yeah. That's weird. Oh, but her mother was a ghost. Yeah, her dad didn't come back as a ghost. That is weird, because everyone else did. So uh, if we use a five pumpkin scale, how many pumpkins would you rate this movie? Oh, well, what is the max pumpkin? Five. Oh, so... um, Five scale. One is I hated it. Two is I didn't like it. Three is it was okay. 
four is I liked it, and five is I loved it. Ooh, well, with all the like emotions and prettiness and stuff, I would have to give it a four out of five. Okay. Because I feel like there, it could have, like, you know, the mansion crumbling and maybe just things being a little bit more subtle, but it was, it was so pretty. I loved it. All right. Oh, I liked it. Okay. Because four out of five. You liked it. You liked it. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm probably going to give it a three. Uh, most movies get a three out of me. Well, I know that, like, I have never heard of you. It's always, oh, this movie's trash. And I feel like that's <laughs> your um, most common response when it comes to movies I ask you about, so. Okay. I do give out fours and fives. So I say fives for things like Casablanca or Josie and the Pussycats. Okay. I was about to say, I'll see it when I believe it. But yeah, most <laughs> of the time, you're ready to throw hands because you think <laughs> some movie is so awful. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you want money from me, <laughs> I expect something good in return. Okay. So that's it. That's all. I just, I have standards. But yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was good. I'm glad I had seen it before a time ago. I don't remember when. And uh, it was fun to watch it again. And of course, at the time when I first saw it, I had no idea who Tom Hiddleston was. But now he's a uh, big time famous with the Loki and all of that. Oh, heck yeah. So thank you for joining me today, Rachel. Oh, yeah. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. Uh, if you have any comments or questions, you can email us at monstermoviefuntimego at gmail.com, or you can send a voicemail to our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash mmftg. As always, we will not see you, but you will hear us next time on Monster Movie Funtime Go.